Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. It is week 17 of the NFL season, and this is where the Dolphins needed to be when they started out 1-7. and seven. They have climbed their way all the way back to be a winning football team. Now with two games left in the season – they control their own destiny. Win both of these games for the Dolphins, and they're in. Um, if they lose one of these next two games, it's very, very unlikely. There is a pathway if the Dolphins do lose this game to still getting into the playoffs, but it would be really hard for them to to win or to lose this game and still get in. The Dolphins would need this week the Colts to beat the Raiders and the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. So if the Dolphins do lose, which none of us hopes happens, if the Colts and the Chiefs win, the Dolphins are still alive heading into week 18. But then the following week, they would need four things to happen. They would need to beat the Patriots. They would also need the Bengals to beat the Browns, the Steelers to beat the Ravens, the Raiders to beat the Chargers, which isn't very likely. So the more likely uh, (laughs) or the easiest pathway here, Paul, win the last two games, be 10 and seven and have a nine game winning streak heading into the playoffs. Just win, baby. Just win. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I mean, Shake said it best. It's it's like we're going to our ex-girlfriend's funeral going up against Tannehill this week, who is not the insurmountable Tannehill he's been for the Titans the past few years. It's, you know, he's got AJ Brown back. He might be missing Julio Jones. They don't have Derrick Henry. And A.J. Brown came back, and he is a very, very good wide receiver. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in the league, to be honest with you. Um, but again, he came back and, and punked the 49ers going one-on-one with Josh Norman last week, who Josh Norman just has to have nightmares about the Titans. It's He probably walked into that game going like, all right, they don't have Derrick Henry. I'm good today. I'm not going to get pasted into next week by stiff arm after stiff arm. And he just got he just got he he looked like he was playing scared. He he was playing far too loose on AJ and, and just uh, like he was afraid of him. And there were a couple of guys that were on AJ Brown in that game. And yeah, I just watching that because the well, Titans well, look real quick on that though. It, it's I know they had a couple guys on him, but the way AJ was playing him scared, I've never seen X play scared on anybody. Yeah, X played arguably one of his most aggressive games I've seen last week. We've got Byron Jones, who's playing fantastic football. Javon Holland is huge helping out in that secondary. We might be without Brandon Jones, but again, it's Miami's secondary is such a strong point for him that if all they have is A.J. Brown tomorrow, I don't hate that matchup. Yeah, they've got uh, 
Nick Westbrook Akine as well as their second guy, more of a kind of a scrappy slot player. He's done pretty decent for him, but, you know, third or fourth receiver type at best. I mean, scrappy but, and decent. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really in, inspire a lot of fear. Um, but looking at uh, where we are as far, so really not many injuries on either side, but you are going to have several starters on both sides missing or that are still on the COVID list right now. For the Dolphins, Brandon Jones and Adam Butler, you know, as far as the pass rush, there, there, there could be a little bit of an impact there, but I expect the Dolphins to be, to be blitzing a lot. For the Titans still on the COVID list, you've got Julio Jones, who really has been a shell of his former self this year, but still better than what they have after A.J. Brown. Uh, Danico Autry, that could be a big one. He's got seven-plus sacks this year as a 3-4 defensive lineman. He, he's not expected to play. Bud Dupree has two sacks over the last two weeks, was their big prized free agent signing, and is on the COVID list too. And also uh, Buster Screen, who we, we remember him from several years ago when the Dolphins played the Jets. He actually had, I think, three sacks in one game against Tannehill where the, where the offense couldn't pick up the blitz to save their life and Tannehill couldn't see it. Um, that could be big because now you've got, you've got Janoris, Jan- you've got Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton, that cornerback there for the, for the Titans. Neither one of them are incredibly fast or skilled at covering the slot. Fulton did a little bit of that last week, but I could see some big match matchup problems here with Jalen Waddle. I could see them with Jalen Waddle. Uh, and I could see them as well. One of the reasons why, when I looked back at the tape last week, Devontae Parker wasn't as big of a factor was they were doubling down on him and bracketing him down the field a lot. Miami ran him on a lot of deep routes, which it almost looked like they kept running him on those, thinking like, okay, as soon as they adjust to Jalen Waddle and some of these short crossers were running with him and, and you name it, then... Parker's going to be open because they're going to have to peel somebody off him and he's going to be in one-on-one. And the Saints just never did. They just... Right. And and so what Parker did last week had a huge impact for guys like Jalen Waddell. And I think the Titans are a little aggressive. So you may see Bayard helping out over the top to begin with with some of the routes that Parker's running or Gasicki's running. But you're going to see them start to aggressively adjust to try to take away Waddle, I think, with with how the Titans run their defense. And that's when you're going to see guys like Parker and guys like Mac Hollins getting that one-on-one. Two will go deep in one-on-one. He absolutely will. Uh, And Gasicki getting deep on this defense. I mean, I know we got Albert Wilson back, but I'd rather see Hollins out there. Right, yeah. It's When you look at the Titans at safety, Kevin Byard, they have a pro bowler back there. Great player. He's projected to be matched up with Mike Gesicki. But if you get a situation again, where teams are struggling to cover Jalen Waddle's speed. And here we are, you know, at the beginning of the second quarter and, and Waddle's already got five or six catches. Yeah. You could see Byard rolling a little bit more over to cover Waddle. And that opens up, like you said, Gesicki and Parker uh, deeper downfield. So, yeah, I mean, I look at the Dolphins on offense, and I don't – I've said this before. I don't think Tua has played great the last two weeks. He hasn't been terrible, but I on this show, I, I graded him against the Jets at a C-minus and last week against the Saints at a C. I mean, I, I look 
look at the first half of, of the Saints game last week and, you know, three drives, uh, I felt, could have gone a lot better. I mean, the the one in the first drive of the game where, where Tua misses, gets pressured, doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough, misses a wide open Miles Gaskin. You had the fumble on the field goal drive where yeah he was pressured and he was hit but Tua saw the saw the defender coming you got to hang on to the ball um a couple more drives that that you can't have in a game like against the Titans the Dolphins it's unlikely they're going to hold the Titans to three points so they're you you can't have a whole first half where you're only putting three offensive points in the board that's when things can start to get away from the Dolphins here it could and and one thing I I Tua has not played spectacular the past few weeks, but I think he's played better than, than we've given him credit for. He's played into the system the way he's being asked to. And in reality, if you take and you... I know Tannehill's played 15 games this season and Tua's only played um, 11. But if you break it down to a game-by-game, game, Tua has Ryan Tannehill in every statistical category this season, um, except for a couple easily explainable ones. Tannehill's actually throwing more attempts per game and completing one more one more like less than one more pass than Tua. And but Tua's got him in completion percentage. He's got him in yards per pass. He's got him in touchdown percentage. He's got him in interceptions. He's got him in intercept, interceptions per game. Um the number of sacks that he, he he's taking and the number the amount of yardage he's losing. It's it's crazy when you look down the board. He's he's literally beating Tannehill in every statistical category. And I'm sorry, but Tannehill's got better weapons in Tennessee, even though they, you know, Julio Jones has been in and out, AJ Brown's been in and out. Um, the running back position's probably a push as far as the season goes overall. Uh, it, it's Tua has been the better quarterback. He has done a great job of avoiding the sack. You look at the pass he threw to Durham Smythe last week. He avoided about four rushers and still managed to get the pass off. To, to Smythe in a spot where only Smythe could catch it. I know he threw that bad interception last week, but he's averaging less than an inter- less than one interception a game, as far as that goes. So it's not this doom and gloom horrificness as far as, as Tua goes. That yeah, he's played less than what we've gotten accustomed to, but that's more a compliment to those good games that he had than it is to to how he's played the last two weeks. They were absolutely playing safe last week against the Saints. You and I both know they were. Hey, Dolphins fans. The Players' Tribune has launched its first-ever mental health podcast called Blindsided, hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. This show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus in their lives. It allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges that people face. Some of the guests this season include Kevin Love, Paul Bissonette, and Kurt Warner. We encourage all of you to go out, go to the Players' Tribune, and check out the podcast, Blindsided. That part is true. Uh, and at one point, I, after he completed that pass to Durham Smythe, I think he was, what, third, 14 for 16 at that point? Um, he did, but there there was that fumble and there was that, that missed pass that could have kept that first drive going. Uh, overall, I didn't think he played great, but he was playing a little bit on the conservative side too. And look, I'm very pleased with how Tua is playing this year. Yeah. Don't, don't give me. I mean, he is the only quarterback in the NFL this year with over a seventy percent completion percentage. So he's incredibly accurate. 
And when the Dolphins get a better offensive line in front of him, he'll get even better. The, the statistics show that. When he's kept clean, when he's, when he's not under pressure, I mean, he's insanely accurate from, from week to week, and we, we keep seeing that. So well, this and, is going to be a test. And, and uh, here, another thing though. I want to add, too, is two is not credited with a lost fumble this year. I know there was a bad snap that, that got away that um, the other team recovered, I believe, uh, early in the season. I think that was him. It might it might have been Brissett. But, you know, you look at Tannehill. Tannehill's lost – or he's fumbled the ball nine times, lost four or five of them. I mean, it's – is the number of th- like, it's crazy. He's leading or tied for the league lead as far as interceptions go, and he's tied with guys like Joe Burrow, who's a second year, Justin Herbert, second year, Taylor Heineke, who's a shifting in and out backup, Trevor Lawrence, rookie, you know, just ahead of Matthew Stafford, who's an interception machine, and surprisingly, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. It's you know, and then you've got Tua who is well down there on the interception sheet as far as that goes. So, I mean, it, it's Tannehill's got, had a propensity to turn the ball over, and they haven't faced a lot of great secondaries. They have not at all. And, and going up against Miami with or without Brandon Jones, that's a tough road to hoe, especially, you know, if you're going to start trying to throw short ones with uh, reigning defensive player of the month, Jerome Baker, in the middle of that defense. Yeah, Jerome Baker. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Jerome Baker, defensive player of the month in the mm-hmm. AFC, which – Part of me thinks how 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 many is there nobody was there nobody buddy better this month than Jerome Baker in the AFC and don't get me wrong Baker Baker's been fantastic the last couple of games uh, now he's he's had a, what I think five sacks last month so mm-hmm. he's starting to make big plays again again kudos to him on that now going back to the Titans offense uh, when they lost Derrick Henry they immediately got. 10 points per game worse on offense. And I have stats to back me up on this. In 2019, with Tannehill a quarterback, the Titans averaged 28.9 points per game in 13 games, including the playoffs. 2020, 29.6 points a game in 17 games. The first eight games of this year, 28.4 points per game with Derrick Henry in the lineup. Last seven games, no Derrick Henry, 18.6 points per game. I mean, and that shouldn't be a big surprise for us because when Tannehill was a Dolphin, his best football happened when Jay Ajayi was 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 churning out 200-yard game after 200-yard game. Yeah, and, and I mean, just to put in perspective, and I know we brought this up before, how good Derrick Henry was this season. I'd have to take a look now, but as of last week anyway, he'd only played half the games of the season and was still fifth in the league in rushing. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, I still remember when um, he was going to be a free agent before he re-signed with Tennessee, and, and I talked about backing the Brinks truck up for this guy, and people were like, I wouldn't pay him less than $11 million a year. He's one-dimensional. Yeah, but it's a really good dimension. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not just like, oh, yeah, he's a kind of good runner. Like, he's fifth in the league in rushing. And he played half the season. Yeah, D- Henry had 937 rushing yards in eight games. He was he would have been on pace to have his back to back 2,000 yard seasons, which I don't think that's ever been done. I could be mistaken on that, but um, yeah, I mean, and and since then, 
now we're going to, they're, they're really, they are rotating the running backs a, a little more, um, or they have been rotating the running backs. Deontay Foreman, who is a massive player, but kind of a looks like Tarzan plays like Jane type of guy. Uh, it, Jeremy McNichols is their third down back. And Dontrell Hilliard is actually a running back for them. I thought it was really good when I've seen him. I, I, I think he's the best that the Titans have to offer. But overall, not great uh, there at the running back spot. And, uh, so yeah, what, what I – before we get too deep on the running back, I want to go back to one thing because it's it's kind of funny because it complements something that that John Urick said in chat. John said that he can see the Dolphins getting at least three sacks tomorrow, which is Miami leads the league in sacks, and Ryan Tannehill has been sacked three times per game, right on the nose. So it's looking at that and with the fact that they don't have a huge running game and they're going to be relying on AJ Brown. I expect to see Tannehill beat up for probably more than three sacks tomorrow, given Miami's pass rush lately, and given the fact that they already average getting sacked three times a game against mostly lesser pass rushes and mostly lesser secondaries. I agree, and a lot of intelligent comments here in the chat. And uh, John and uh, Cap for Life, thank you very much there for the for the contribution. Um, someone said in chat, uh, uh, Irving said. Uh, see, this is why I don't do this because I have to. I have to. I lose track of it here. Is the, is that the Dolphins need to get better at stunts, and that is a big concern there uh, for for when for when Tua drops back. But uh, also said as well that Tua has no feel for the pressure, and that's it. He never has. But somebody else mentioned this in the chat. He is good against the blitz. When you do that all-out blitz, Tannehill is good at identifying that and getting the ball out. So what the, what the Dolphins really need to do in this is, yes, show that that cover zero look. Um, but don't come with it all the time. I, I, I'm more comfortable the Dolphins sending four or five guys as opposed to sending six or seven. But the Dolphins on defense with Josh Boyer, they're pretty good at disguising those and, and, and diversifying you know, their blitz packages. So I, I want to I park on that for a second because that cover zero – if you start thinking of the Dolphins' defense in the front seven as positionless like they've gotten back to, it, it it's not always actually a blitz. It, it's Most of the time, if you look at that cover zero, if you truly look, yeah, PFF will call it a blitz because one of the guys of the four that's rushing is a linebacker. But, you know, in, in traditional sense. But if you look at it as their front seven guys... Most of the time, they're bringing three or four guys and dropping, you know, the rest. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's more so like okay, we expect all you guys to be able to do some form of this. Okay, you may only be able to drop in, into zone. We're not going to ask you to cover a running back one on one in man, but they're really truly like it's it's just masking who's even in coverage and who's who your front four really are and who your linebackers really are for that individual play. So if you think of it in terms of that, it's not necessarily a blitz all the time. It's more so, hey, we've got these seven guys on the line of scrimmage, and some of them are coming, some of them are not. We're not going to tell you who our linebackers are in this play. We're not going to tell you who our defensive linemen are in this play. Good luck. And and so that's where it's it's a tough call for me because 
if Tannehill's got to account for that, the the best thing you can do for Tannehill is force him to think and not let him move the pocket. Because we all saw with Miami, when he got out to you know towards the sidelines, got out of the pocket, broke the pocket, moved the pocket over. That's when Tannehill was at his best. It's if we can prevent him from doing that, keep him in the pocket, and make him think, he's toast. Yeah, and he he hasn't played well for the last really two months. I mean, and going back to what you said, and and that's why I love this Dolphins defense as far as just the personnel and how they match that with the looks that they give because things three things that they have on defense that I don't think a lot of other teams have. Number one is they have linebackers who can blitz, but they're also fast enough and aware enough to drop back into coverage when they don't blitz and still get to that spot. So they're covering a lot of ground, even when they're showing a blitz at first. Secondly, at cornerback, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, in my opinion, the best cornerback tandem in the league. And they're able to play up on these receivers. And not only are they able to go heads up with these guys, but their technique is so good that they don't draw that many penalties either. And number three, Javon Holland back. The range and the awareness he has allows the Dolphins to put another guy in the box as opposed to playing this too high safety look. So, no, I mean, I'm extremely excited um, with this defense. Yeah, I know they've played bad quarterbacks lately, and that's been the story this week, that they really haven't played anybody. And I go back to saying two things can be true. This defense has played great regardless of the opponent. And, yeah, they have had an easy schedule the last six weeks. So that's also, too, why these next two games are important, Paul, because let's be honest – if the Dolphins win these two games, then they are for real. They're one of the most feared teams going into the playoffs because they have a nine-game winning streak. On the other side, if they lose these two, people are going to look at that seven-game winning streak and say, well, they didn't play anybody. People can say what they want. Uh, it, it's I, t- I tell kids I coach, I tell Ax this all the time, it's <clears throat> the only way that what people say is true is if you let it be uh, 90% of the time. It's if if nobody's digging at you for something, you never did anything. Like it's you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, they beat seven NFL teams. You know, you you can you can go up and down the list. You know, ask 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 the Chargers what it's like to face a team with twenty ish players out or twenty ish people out. Ask the Chargers this week because they faced a team that was already bad already using shopping cart greeters and, and things like that at, at NFL positions who had 20 something play or around 20 players out or tw- uh, on their roster and the Texans smoked them like it was it was almost like you won a chance to be on the field if you if you were in the top you know first 500 players in the stadium they called your name beforehand and fitted you for something and threw you out there for the Texans and they smoked the Chargers the Chargers that yeah, they, are right. supposed to be a, it, an amazing team right now. So you, and any NFL yeah, team, if you look at any weekend, good. Sorry. Yeah. Go so no, you're right. And, and another thing that's true is that I don't care how how your opponents look. It is hard to play seven games in a row and not step on a landmine because every single game you are two or three bad plays away from losing. And the Dolphins have not done that. They've taken advantage of that. I mean, yeah, you look at the Texans beating the Chargers. You look at the Jaguars beating the Bills. I mean, it's, it's hard to win seven games in a row. That's what, I I don't know the exact math, but what 40% of the season, 
you, you've won, and then again, they lost 40% of the season, well, too. But they, they have clawed their way all the way back. I mean, that's something a, to certainly be celebrated. There's a reason why they're the first NFL team to go from 1-7 and seven and have that seven-game losing streak to a seven-game winning streak. It is not easy to do, period. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter if you're playing seven college teams. Seven in a row is a tough, tough road to hoe. It is. And for them to come away with their eighth win here, the defense has to continue to bring it just like they have for the last seven weeks. And I look at the Titans offense, and like I said, without Derrick Henry, they, they just haven't been very good. Now, they missed A.J. Brown for a month, too. And he came back last week and, and started to look like the A.J. Brown of last year. He, he wasn't even the same. Didn't seem like, you know, in, in the first part of the year before he got hurt. But I, this is what I've seen over the last several games in the Titans is three out of out of four games before the 49ers game, three of the their their previous four games, they scored 13 points or less. They've they haven't scored over 20 points in their last six games. Um, and I last week, the 49ers were shutting the Titans out at halftime. The Titans came back and ended up winning 20 to 17. But kind of piggybacking on what you said before, I, it, it honestly looked like Kevin Coyle or Matt Burke was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. It's like, how how do you look at A.J. Brown, catch, what, 11 passes, have a, he has two other rushes, so he touches the ball 13 times. He had 16 targets in that game. How do you let this guy get a free release off the line, get into his route uninterrupted, not have a – not? It, it's this – it's this Kevin Coyle-like bail and trail technique, which is the reason A.J. Brown caught so many passes. A.J. Brown's a, AJ Brown's a great player, but he's going to have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard in his face here this week. Yeah, and, and Xavier Howard, I've talked about this before. It, it's one of the things I love with Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard seems to know his speed and your speed better than you do better than the opposing quarterbacks do, and he will drop off of somebody to make them look open. In, in way, And he knows Tannehill's arm, <laughs> probably better than any quarterback in the league. And after watching Josh Norman not just get beat by A.J. Brown, but beat himself against A.J. Brown and give him so much cushion and things like that, Tannehill's going to walk out and go, Jesus, thank God A.J. Brown bailed a, us out last week. See Brown look wide open like he's got two steps on on um, Xavier Howard, throw the ball, and then watch Xavier Howard cut in front of him and start racing the other way with the ball. It, it, it's it, Xavier Howard already does that well, and after last week where Tannehill was getting bailed out by Josh Norman's incompetence, it's going to look like more of the same at first and if he underestimates Xavier Howard's closing speed, good for you, Ryan. Good for you. Well, I think Roadrunner said it best in the chat. Uh, A.J. Brown's a beast. He will get his, just hit him hard and make him feel it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough to completely shut down somebody like A.J. Brown, but minimizing him to the point where if he's really their one of their only go-to options in this game, I mean, and – you have no Julio Jones. He wasn't even playing well anyway. You have no Derrick Henry. Yeah, and that's what I like about what Josh Boyer does. He he 
does his best to let either Byron Jones or Xavier Howard take away that receiver, or they make sure to bracket them so that that the Dolphins are forcing you to beat them without your best players. And and I, I look to see that a little bit more here in this game. Going back to the Dolphins on offense, Paul, like I said, you know, I'm looking for Tua to have a better game here than he has shown in his last two games. On the ground, the Titans are very, very good. Very good run defense. You look at the last six games for them, two opposing running backs, they've allowed 270 yards on 103 carries. That comes out to 2.62 yards a carry. So the Dolphins also faced a very good run defense last week against the Saints. Now, they didn't have a lot of success with Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay, but I think they were able to be successful enough to where they were getting two, three yards. They weren't, they didn't have a lot of negative plays and they were keeping everything balanced. And you look at the snap count too last week from the Dolphins running backs, 23 snaps for Duke Johnson, 20 for Miles Gaskin, 19 for Philip Lindsay. So I'm hoping they continue to keep the fresh legs on the field and at least have enough to, to stay balanced on offense. Yeah, and it's it's having the three of them, and this is something I've been saying since you know we saw Philip Lindsay emerge and then Duke Johnson emerge. Ride the three, see who's got the hot hand in the moment, and continue to ride that till they start to fall off, and then see who can jump in and do it. This this running game is not meant to dominate other teams. It's meant to assist the offensive line, and it's meant to just keep defenses off honest and if they could ride the hot hand with that and do a little bit as well offensively awesome it's it just allows Miami to to not have to deal with a defense that's just pinning its ears backs and right that's what we saw in the first what six or seven games is that the Dolphins would get down uh, and they would just throw the ball every down and when you do that especially playing behind a bad offensive line, these pass rushers just tee off on the quarterback. doesn't matter who you have back there. And so I, I like the adjustments that, that they've made for, you know, everything we said about the Dolphins offensive coordinators, and we've still got some, you know, squabbles with that. But, you know, they, they've done a good job at playing more to their strengths when, when you look at it. Um, well, uh, also, and, to, and before we move on from that, it, it's – since you said the bad offensive line, I, I can't throw everybody on that O-line under the bus. And this is something we haven't talked about really yet. And I know we're not – we don't take PFF as gospel on our show. We've talked about that. And even less so when it comes to offensive line at times or, or occasionally defensive line. But it does speak volumes that – one of the top five graded players last week in all of football by PFF was a Dolphins offensive lineman, and it was Robert Hunt. Um, good Lord. Like, didn't expect to see that. Love seeing it. I, Robert's quietly having a better and better season and, and playing very well at that guard spot. Absolutely he is, and he's getting better and better every week. And He deserves a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Heading into next season, I, I see Robert Hunt as a definite keeper. Michael Dieter, I think, has played well enough. If the Dolphins can upgrade the center position, great. But I'm not going to spend a lot of money or a first or second round draft pick to do it. I think Dieter's played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep saying this, too. 
they need to get two offensive tackles and push all of the rest of those resources into guard. Take if you come away in the offseason with Teron Armstead at left tackle, and let's say even a Morgan Moses at right tackle, who's okay, not great, but okay. Um, and then uh, on the interior, you've got Liam Eikenberg at left guard, Dieter at center, and Hunt at right guard. Then I think you've taken that offensive line from a D unit to uh, maybe uh, maybe a B minus or a B. Yeah, no, and, and I think that, and again, I, I made a comment back during our preseason stuff this year, um, actually our offseason stuff, that <clears throat> we all know Greer plays 3D chess. And I'm going to go back to that comment because looking at everything and looking at the big picture and looking at what Miami's got going into free agency this year, and I know I don't want to spend a huge amount of time on this because, damn it, we're a playoff team right now. But I think Greer had set up to basically throw a bunch of young players against the wall, see what sticks as far as offensive linemen, and be able to throw a ton of resources, if everything worked out, into the offensive line position this, this coming offseason. There's a ton of big names on the offensive line that are going to be free agents. Miami has a ridiculous amount of cap space. I can put it to you this way. Miami could cut Jesse Davis, cut a couple other players, re-sign Gesicki, re-sign Agba, and still have $55, 60000000 million potentially, depending on who they cut and who they don't, uh, but still north of $50 million either way to be able to mostly look at upgrading the offensive line. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And, you know, look, there's several draft picks that haven't played up to their, I mean, really all of them, if you take a look at the totality of, I mean, Liam Eikenberg hasn't been good enough. Austin Jackson definitely hasn't been good enough, but he has been better at left guard, but he still has those, two or three mental errors a game, but he, he has sh- he has shown the physical skills to play left guard. And if he fixes those mistakes, you never know. Uh, Robert Hunt's been Sol- good. Hunt's, uh, Robert Hunt has definitely lived up to his billing. Solomon Kindley, just a weird thing going on there. I don't um, get why he's not on the field still. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, at least a little bit. I mean, or Robert Jones. He, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, the offensive line has definitely been playing better, but last week against the Saints, Eichenberg and Austin Jackson definitely did not get the better of that. Neither did Jesse Davis. And, uh, yeah, I don't see Jesse Davis being on the, on, on the team after the show. No, but uh, gone. sticking with the offense, too, there, there are a couple of matchups that do concern me here against the Titans. Is Kevin Byard going up against Mike Kosicki. You know, I, I, I think Byard has the, has the skill set to get the better of Gesicki um, defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons, who uh, the dolphins took Chris dolphins in the 2019 draft. They took Christian Wilkins over Jeffrey Simmons, who went just a few picks later is a complete wrecking ball on the inside. And he's going up against this dolphins interior line. He could cause problems. And he's a big reason why they've only average, only allowed 2.6 yards of carry over the last six games to opposing running backs. And then also Harold Landry, 12 and a half sacks this year for the Titans and they move him around. He's going to eat Liam Eikenberg's going to see some of him. Jesse Davis is going to see some of him and he's the player that you do have to neutralize in this one. So even though the Titans have some players out, it's still a good defense that the dolphins are facing. It's going to be a big test for them. It is. And 
I just... I think Miami's got the tools to be able to be at least okay against this defense. Um, again, we need Tua to be efficient, control the football, and we need the running game to keep defenses honest, and we need Tua to take what's there. If we can do that, this defense that we have is going to more than keep us in this game. Uh, Tannehill's turning the ball over at an alarming rate. And they have one real weapon right now on on their offense. Now, the Titans are a different team when they've got everybody healthy. But you can say that about a lot of teams in the NFL. Miami's a different team when they've got everybody healthy and, and not on COVID, not on IR. Um, but I just don't see this Titans offense being able to get it done against Miami's defense. And that's what I think the big difference is here. I, th- I see Miami being able to be okay against their defense, but the Titans not being able to do much against ours. Uh, I am equally concerned if the Dolphins offensively can move the ball in the Titans. And so I see this being an ugly, low-scoring type of game. And another concern of mine, too, is, is how is the weather going to be? Because if this... Chilly. You know... Chilly, but not as chilly as it was projected before. I looked, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, and it, it looked like it might have been 25 and snowing. Now it's looking like it's going to be in the 40s, possibility of rain. Um, so that's better news for the Dolphins because Tua doesn't have a lot of experience playing in those cold, messy types of games. Um, so we'll see. I uh, predictions. Um, I'm going to give it to you first. I think Miami pulls this off 21-13 until Sanders wakes up. I'm not factoring in field goal in this game. Um, But I think Miami gets another defensive score this week. That's what I think of Miami's defense versus Tannehill right now. Yeah, I'm going to have the Dolphins winning this too by a field goal. I'm going to go 20-17 Dolphins. You're counting on Sanders. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for you. Uh, I'm not, see, <laughs> see, I've got a bigger problem with I, – I, honestly, I think it's Mike Pilardi. I think it's the holder. Because be. I don't – I I don't think Sanders just forgot to kick. I, I Some of those holds that I've seen when I've looked at them look a little bit off compared to Matt Hawk. You know, I, so, I thought about that on one of them recently and thought about going back and looking, and then – I decided to play Urban Meyer and just refer to them as kicker and punter and ignored it. So, got it. Um, the Dolphins have, after eight, after the first eight games, had only twelve sacks on the year, one of the worst in the league. Now they are leading the NFL with forty-five sacks. Ryan Tannehill has been sacked exactly forty-five times, and he has not gotten better in understand and feeling the pressure. And oh, getting the ball right. out in a time in a timely manner. Well, yeah, he feels it after he gets hit, and <laughs> yeah, that part I do not miss about Ryan Tannehill at all. And look, he wasn't terrible here, but he just I, so many times Tannehill would 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 get the snap. It would be third and five at, at the Dolphins' you know, own forty-five. He would take the snap. He'd pump. He'd pump. He'd pump. 
he he could have walked his way to the first down and he didn't do that. And then he would just throw a two yard pass to Jarvis Landry. It would be fourth and three, and then the Dolphins would punt. That pass last week that Tannehill threw like a sixty yard bomb to AJ Brown. It was kind of like a nobody's open. AJ's one on one downfield. I'm just going to heave it. That's the exact pass I wanted to see Tannehill make. Sometimes when he was here in Miami, he never did. Also, too, I've got to I've got to say Tannehill was playing the best football of his career in Miami when he tore his ACL in 2016, then retore it, then came back in 2018 and missed several games and, and shouldn't have played the other ones with when he had that arm injury. But I'm uh, I'm glad to as the quarterback instead of Tannehill still. I am too. It, it's like I said earlier, he's beating him in every statistical category. You look at Tannehill's numbers this year as far as getting sacked, interceptions, fumbles, you name it, and and he's in a bad category to be in for a guy that was one of the tops in the league for a couple years when he first got to Tennessee. He's in the same position as as a lot of these rookies and second-year players or first-year starters, and and that's not the category you want to be in in all those awareness statistics. He's playing behind a better offensive line in Tennessee than than he he, he than two is in Miami, and, and yes, he's got a few injured players, but not the one like it's just it shouldn't be this bad as far as that goes. It just shouldn't. Yeah, and I I am of the belief too that it, if the 49ers did not let AJ Brown run free in the secondary the entire second half when it was clear that was pretty much the only guy they had to stop we'd be talking about the titans heading into week 17 as one of the most inept offenses in the nfl this year they didn't uh, cover aj brown the and they beat him by three that's <laughs> that's true that's like, true and uh it, it, look i and and the titans at full strength with derrick henry at running back with without these players out with covid if Julio Jones were the Julio Jones of the last couple of years, I'd say this is a very dangerous team, and they are the number two seed. If the season ended today, it would be the Dolphins at Tennessee in the playoffs, and that's exactly what we're going to have here this weekend. I've got the Dolphins winning by three because I think I don't see Ryan Tannehill having a good having a good game here, and um, I, I think the Dolphins squeak it out. Paul, any uh, before we uh, sign off here, Zach Thomas. Third yes. time now. Third time is a Hall of Fame finalist. And I've said in the past that, I mean, I've been saying for years, he he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a joke that he isn't. In fact, uh, I'd have to recheck to see if this is still current. But he was, two years ago when I looked, he was the only player, defensive player in NFL history that was Hall of Fame eligible to have five first-team All-Pro appearances and not be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's still the case. So this year, you don't have a lot of first ballot, sure thing Hall of Famers other than maybe DeMarcus Ware. Uh, in honesty, if I if I were to throw my ballot down, and, and maybe this is something we should talk about tomorrow night, maybe we, you know, that'd be a fun one for us tomorrow night or sometime this week, is, is to throw down which five we would put in if it were us. Because... I'll give you a sneak preview. I'd have two linebackers definitively on there as far as Willis and, and um, Zach Thomas go. I think they were both very special players at their position that should be in the Hall of Fame. You bet. 
So uh, Roger in the chat, I think he's a Titans fan. He said uh, Tennessee before Tannehill in 2018 were nine and seven, 2019, two and four. Well, that's because you had a quarterback that sucked worse, Marcus Mariota, who is now a backup. So since then, yeah, Ryan Tannehill's done a great job as far as upgrading the position. But ever since Derrick Henry went down, no surprise to Dolphins fans. He's not very good. That's why he's 26th out of 30 quarterbacks and quarterback rating with quarterbacks more than 300 attempts. Um, he's tied with Daniel Jones. Feel good about that. And we look forward to crushing him here this weekend. That's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins versus Titans matchup. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.